Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's go around the table to check in on my co-hosts from the East Coast. First up, Dave the Dungeon Crawler Alcadron Vader. How are you doing this week? <laughs> I'm great. I'm loving the new nickname. That's, yeah, you uh, like that. yeah, that's you, you earned it. You earned it, definitely. Game two, you earned it. Realsa put in some work that oh, game. Big big time work. That was impressive. She's always impressive, but I don't know. She's so powerful. Such a strong deck. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. Uh, like, I I'm I'm doing well. How are how how's things in in Missouri? Things are good. Today was a little rough. I, I worked out in the field, which isn't rough. I spend most of the time in my truck driving around, but I was in the 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 big hills of Ozark Mountain Range wine country here in central Missouri and I just don't do well on like county highways and like rural highways because they're nothing but curves and switchbacks and hills. And I just felt like I was on a roller coaster all day. So that was a little rough, but it was nice to be outside. It didn't get nearly as hot as they were calling for, but it's good scenery too. So can't complain too much. Sounds nice. And next up, we have our resident PDH PhD. Liam, how's the homework going? Yeah, the, the homework's going, Brad. I, uh, <laughs> have this assignment from last week where people had to create some kind of coding project related to the content area and then mm -hmm. this week we're reviewing one of our classmates that was assigned to us and my classmate that was assigned to me decided that they were going to recreate a, a segment of flight of the bumblebee with cat meows and dog bucks and organize it all via code and it's driving me up a wall how many times do you have to listen to that before you can like submit your approval or your, your diagnosis or whatever? Well, I have to like do like a review and answer some questions about how I think uh, the the project is useful and how it could be applied to a classroom setting. And honestly, right now, the only real feedback I have is this is insane. <laughs> it like, sounds pretty insane. <laughs> I, I I just my head is on fire listening to yeah, this. That'd be, that'd be a little much. But yeah, well, I think you can take a break from that for, I don't know, an hour or so, hour oh, and a half I'm, while I'm, we talk some PDH. What do you think? I'm definitely looking forward to that break. Awesome. Well, I think we're going to continue our conversation. We started a couple episodes ago about what is and what is not allowed in the command zone by talking about the commanders themselves, actually. The roughly 3,800 creatures that have ever been printed at Uncommon seems a bit overwhelming it can be overwhelming but you know if you look at it try to look at the amount of playables in our format just like any other eternal format that number becomes significantly smaller i know we're going to break it down a little further than that but um, I, I can understand some outsider point of views when they look at it and they're like oh my god you know any uncommon creature that's just too much but it, it really isn't when you sort of get down to the nuts and bolts of it all but I, I think we can break it down what do you think hopefully we can Excellent, excellent. I'm looking forward to it. This is a particularly timely topic. Uh, about a week ago, uh, someone posted a introduction to PDH video on Reddit, uh, not to the PDH subreddit, just to the general magic subreddit. Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, it got a lot of feedback on the general Reddit 
or the general magic subreddit for um lots of people were saying we don't like that it's any uncommon we think it should be any legendary uncommon and so uh there's there was some good discussion happening there there's a high high quality discourse and i am ready to get back into that excellent nothing like some good high quality discourse not just poo slinging i feed on yeah. the discourse <laughs> well liam since you feed on the discourse why don't you start us off here uh i see in the show notes you have a little bit of a brief history of of edh as a format itself not not specifically pdh why don't you give us a rundown of that if you don't mind yeah so when we were talking about the legendary-ness rule that uh, Commander has and how people kind of compare that to our PDH, any uncommon non-legendary rule. Kind of one of the first things we hear is, well, why, why, why no legendaries? So I feel like it would be important of us to first talk about why there is a legend restriction in EDH. Like, why is it not just any rare or mythic creature? Why does it have to specifically be a legendary? So going over a brief history of EDH, in the early 90s, a guy named Adam Staley and his friends enjoyed a Highlander-esque format of their own design, something they wanted to do after uh, Magic has begun to become a little more uh, homogenized. You know, people weren't just bringing their own homebrews to FNM and tournaments anymore. That you know, people started running the same stuff. Uh, now, it, mm -hmm. you know, local metas were vastly different, uh, more different than they are today. But you know, people at any given game store, half the people there might have this exact same deck. So him and his friends wanted a way to like break into their bulk a little bit more, have some more fun with some of their older cards. So they were playing this Highlander format. In 1996, the set Legends came out, and Staley made Nicol Bolas the star of his Highlander deck, uh, drawing his inspiration for his Elder Dragon Highlander format uh, from actually the little pamphlets that came in the starter decks from the time, uh, where they were encouraging players to come up with your own ways to play. In 2002, uh, Staley introduced Sheldon Mannery, uh, often the uh talked about as the godfather of the format uh to yeah. mm -hmm. their early version of edh uh it wasn't quite what we know today uh it was something along the lines of uh the whole starting table has 200 life points and the life points are divided evenly amongst everyone um and a couple other different rules in that in that oh, sense wow in 2003 uh sheldon takes this format and tinkers with it on the proto with other judges uh, the the playing it in between rounds, the playing it, you know, at the hotels at night or at the morning coffee breakfast, whatever. Um, they're just trying to mess with the format, and, and it becomes kind of like the hallmark judge format. Right. In two thousand four, I've heard that before too. It's like the the yep. format of judges to begin with, or whatever. Yep, it was the the format of judges. Uh, in two thousand four, Sheldon uh, writes his first article for SCG on EDH. Um, now he had been writing for SCG uh, Star City Games a lot at the time, uh, but this was his first article on EDH. In 2005, at a pro tour, I, I couldn't tell you which one, he introduces the format to some WOTC employees. And in 2006, mm -hmm. the EDH website is born and the rules committee is formalized. That was kind of a lot there in the early Magic years. And it takes a while, but one of the uh, WOTC employees that Sheldon had introduced the format to, Scott Larrabee, uh, was doing a lot of advocacy on the inside. And that's how we got our first Commander product line launch from WOTC in 2011. Notice that the name. Yeah. Notice that the name changed from EDH to Commander, uh, because that's you know EDH was the fan format. That's what had already previously existed, and for Wizards to really take that and make a product, they did have to change the name a little bit. Okay, that makes sense. But altogether, you know, Commander is EDH. They've become one and the same thing. So yeah. that really begs the question of 
why do we have this legendary restriction? Like, what, what does it have to do with the command zone? And the answer is because some guy thought it would be cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it absolutely boils down to. You know, when... yeah, I mean, I mean, really, like when when you ask any commander player, why do we have this legendary restriction? Most of them would probably tell you it's the way it is. It's the way it's always been. It's what the rules say. Yeah, it's part of the rules. Yep. And some of the you know more enfranchised players might be like, well, you know, it, it really stems from the elder dragons from the set legends, but they couldn't tell you who came up with that idea. And Right. You know, right. so it, I'll, I'll be honest, almost all of this history is new to me. I I had no idea about most of this. I, I knew I, I was one of the ones that could have told you uh it was because of the Elder Dragons and Legends, but uh pre two thousand two information I had actually had to look up for this show. Um because Yeah, I think I, I knew the the legend stuff about the Elder Dragons and then I think I knew roughly about when the Commander product line launched, obviously, and that was mm-hmm. that was about it. The, the the middle of the sandwich I didn't know anything about. Yeah, it was it was kind of all new information for me too, which I found interesting because I was really looking into like why is there that legendary restriction? Like why? What is the purpose? And the reason that I came conclusively to was because a guy thought it would be cool and then wizards ran with it. Now, do we know if Mister Staley is still around, or what? What's he up to? Is he from what alive? I could, like... uh, from what I could tell, uh, Mister Staley is still around. Actually, when they were looking to formalize the RC back in the early two thousands, at that point, Sheldon had lost track of him, and they had to they had to track him down to answer some questions about Commando and whatnot. Oh, okay. But from my understanding, Sheldon's definitely like the face of the format, yep. at least on social medias I, or what have you. I do not believe that Staley actually was ever on the rules committee. I think he just helped formalize the format a little. Oh, okay. That's interesting. My guess for why legendary commanders are or non-legendaries are not allowed was going to be because Neanderthalic imbeciles hate Nephilim and don't want me to have fun. <laughs> no, no, no. This this predates the Nephilim death. That is quite the answer. I, I mean, it makes sense that it's wrong in hindsight, but I was, <laughs> I was, I was pretty confident about it until about ten minutes ago. Okay, you, you delivered it. It was a good delivery. Yeah, thank well, you. Well, now that we know why they, why we only play with legends in the command zone in EDH, Alk, do you want to give us a little history on PDH and why we don't have that same legendary restriction? I would be delighted. I I know a lot less about the history of PDH as you seem to know about the history of EDH. I think in many ways it is sort of like less well documented because it it definitely wasn't started by just one person having an idea and going with it. It was it right. was definitely like it it was sort of co-created by many different separate people sort of like at once. And uh for the most part they all kind of used a different set of rules like some people said, you know, only commons ever. Some people used the 30 life and 16 commander damage. Some people stuck with 40, 21. So there were a lot of different people playing with this idea of EDH, but only commons uh, back in the uh, early 2010s, like 20, 2011, 2012-ish. I got into it in 2013 uh, just locally. And e- even then, it was very difficult to find any sort of information about it on the on the internet anywhere. Uh, it was very much just a local thing that we would talk about at the LGS and mm-hmm. with our friends, but mm-hmm. not. There wasn't a an online community. There wasn't a website. There wasn't a unified rules board or anything like that. I actually didn't get involved with with any of that or the the home base until many years later. And the the PDH home base was the first sort of online resource that I knew of that was going to sort of like unify the rules and sort of present a uh, one standardized version of PDH. Yeah, it'd be like a dedicated 
landing page for people. Exactly. Uh, but I can tell you for sure that in the year 2013, the reason that we didn't say only you, the reason that we didn't say you have to put a legendary in the command zone is because there were I think exactly 13 uncommon legendary creatures. <laughs> they were all from and legends, every right? single one of them. Uh, there's they're almost all from legends. There's I think two or three from homelands. Okay. No, there's four. There's four from homelands. <laughs> Maybe five. But the 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 one thing that they all definitely have in common is that they are all steaming hot garbage. Well, some like of them the are best ones. Most of them are vanilla creatures. Aaron the, the Relentless. Best one, Come on. Aaron the Relentless. Five mana, five two haste regenerates for three. Uh-huh. Mono red. Yeah. yeah. Aaron. Aaron is one of the best. Isan's Shade is one of the best. Before Dominaria got printed. Isan's Shade is legendary. Isan's yeah. Shade is a legend. He's a summon legend. I don't think yep. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was one of the first PDH decks I built actually. <laughs> so yeah, like prior to Dominaria, Dominaria gave us a bunch of uncommon legendaries because that yeah, was the for theme sure. of the set. It was it was their apology for trying to make legendaries the theme of Kamigawa and just dropping the ball <laughs> catastrophically. Yeah, just blowing it. Yeah, but legend we got a lot of uncommon legendaries in Dominaria. Since then, a lot of things have gotten downshifted, and now. Like in in the last couple of years, because of Commander Legends sets and uh, we us getting a couple signposts on commons that are legendaries and other sets, like now there's a really big spread of uncommon legendaries. There's a little over 200, almost 250, I think. Of just legendaries. Um, just legendary uncommon creatures. Nice. Uh, okay. Yeah, but 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 back then there was nothing. Like I, the reason I built Isan's Shade in 2014 or whatever was because I thought it would be funny. To have a PDH deck that was also EDH legal, even mm-hmm. though it was hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, six mana, five, five, protection from white. Come on. Oh, yeah. Where could you Come go on, wrong? Son. Yeah, exactly. I, I really leaned into the hot garbageness of that deck by making the theme of it exclusively old border commons. Okay. Okay, awesome. I'm on board. So it was it was only only mono black cards printed before two thousand and like three. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was really really bad but it was so bad that i built three more of them for Aaron the relentless revika wizard savant and rashka the slayer the other three legendary uncommons from homelands i mean those yep. decks if you're interested in see those decks had hmm? to have cost like five dollars a piece right i just built them out of what i had <laughs> <laughs> they cost me nothing uh but yeah, if you want to see what happens when those four decks play against each other, uh, look up the Pals YouTube channel. There's there's a game of those four decks going head to head. It is That's one amazing. of the most painful things you can spend <laughs> two hours doing. It's got to be better That's than great. listening to Flight of the Bumblebee Cat. <laughs> Next time you need a break from this homework assignment, go check out that YouTube video. Tell us which suffering is worse. So pretty much for EDH, the legend rule is because some guy thought it was cool. But for PDH, the legendary rule is because the format would be unplayable if it was only legendaries back then. Yes. Although I, I did hear story. I, I mentioned that, you know, some people, lots of different people came up with this idea independently. Mm-hmm. Some of them went hard on this only legendaries rule. And they played with Gerard of the Closed Fist. And they played with Riven Turnbull. And they just... Ooh resigned themselves to having garbage <laughs> seven mana vanilla six fours they just dealt zone. with it huh yeah they just they, they were they were going for it and i respect that so i guess it's no no real coincidence that 
2011, the first actual Commander paper product is released by Watsi, and that's about the time PDH started, right? I like, can't. I, yeah, I think I think people might have taken a format that was gaining popularity and just turned it into Pauper. Right. Exactly. Like they saw some Watsi support, it's getting played more often, and they're like, "Well, here we go. Let's let's make a Pauper version of it." And I'm not complaining. It just seems a little little coincidental, I guess. Yeah. And and honestly, I, I'm trying to think about it. Like the thought process at that time could have been. Well, you know, Watsi supported the supported us with some precons in 2011. In 2012, we got the Commander's Arsenal. In 2013, we got more Commander decks. You know, if they keep this Commander deck thing going, what are the chances we eventually get some, you know, updated Uncommon Legend? Sure. Let's just play with Uncommon Legends and see how long we wait out. Now, they unfortunately would have waited till 2018. Um, so, you know, it's a heck of a waiting game. But, yeah, <laughs> I could see the thought process. I I like... I like to think that it was probably like I think that you're probably right, but in my mind, I prefer the story where someone looked at the Commander Precon stuff in 2011 and 2012, and they thought Wizards is absolutely going to unrepairably ruin, ruin this forever. Uh huh. <laughs> and they they took refuge in something that Wizards couldn't profit off. That's probably not what happened, but I I like to think that it's what happened. No, I like it. It's a good theory. So yeah, that that all sort of worked together. I think the timing worked out well. I like your theory, Dave, that, that um, <laughs> <laughs> they sort of sheltered the the format from Watsi's hands, if you will. I yeah, it's probably not true, but it it amuses. And then there there was quite a few years where there was not like if you look at the timeline of EDH, there was 2006 where you had the EDH website and boom, the RC. It looks like on PDH there was quite a few years before an RC a rules committee came together. Is that correct yes so uh i've mentioned this elsewhere the, the the pdh rules committee didn't like officialize itself until just a couple of years ago around uh 2020 2021 ish mm-hmm. um heck you've probably mentioned it on the show before i probably have that was very much a thing of like like we, we had the home base which was like you said we wanted that to be like the landing the landing spot for when when someone has an interest and they go to Google and they say, what is PDH? Mm-hmm. We want them to sort of hit this website that explains the rules and the, the starting life totals. And like, we wanted sort of to uniformize things. And uh, for a long time, we didn't see the need of like an official rules committee. We just said, these these are the standard rules, 30 life, 16 commander damage, uncommon creatures. We didn't really start to think of ourselves as like an official like decision-making rules committee until we realized that the format needed a couple bands right. and that we were in a really good position to provide that leadership, I guess. Sure. And so we we uh we just decided that it was us. <laughs> we banned <laughs> the cards. And How so many far, other no... of of you are there on the committee? There are there are ten of us. Okay. Um, some of us are extremely forward facing. You might you might know some of us. Myself, I'm very active on Discord. Mm-hmm. Scarecrow, super active on Discord and Twitter and Facebook. Yep. Clay and Crash. Crash from last week's episode is yeah. part of the mm-hmm. rules committee. There's a couple other people who are very, very like not forward facing. Um, there's a guy who his name is Derek on Discord, and I don't think I have ever seen him do anything in social medias. Maybe he's like really big on Twitter, and I just don't see it because I'm not on Twitter or Facebook right. or something. I don't know. Who? No one knows what Derek does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a guy called Pod Kamorka who is the um, the admin of the home base discord and the uh website okay there's a there's a handful of others ruffigan 
Memento Mosi. Yalaran, Crash's oh, you... co-conspirator on the tier list. Okay, Yalaran is on there. Some pretty good minds on that board. Yeah, yeah, we tried to get a really good spread of people who were very invested in the format and invest invested in making sure that it grew and succeeded and was balanced and fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't think I've interacted with every single RC member, but the ones I have um, been pleasantly surprised with. So I think that's a good group of people we have. I, I'm I'm generally. Now, do you guys have like secret? meetings like behind the curtains and stuff or is it just like when a topic comes up you have to get together and talk about it we have a uh a discord channel that all of us frequent so it, it started okay. out and i guess it's still named the pdh home base management mm -hmm. because m many of us got involved in this group because we were like moderators on the home base discord oh um, yeah you have mentioned that before yep so you just yeah. sort of defaulted into the <laughs> committee. Yeah. Like I, I ended up joining this group because I was going to be an editor for the articles that got posted on the website. And then I became a moderator for the home base. And then I just sort of like was conveniently placed and took on the role of RC member as well. Uh, so we, we still have this, this Discord server, PDH home base management, where we meet to talk about things. The current discussion that's happening, which you'll probably hear a lot more about in really soon, is uh, whether or not arena downshifts should be considered legal oh that that set fire to twitter for like a solid 36 hours yeah yeah in yeah fairness, <laughs> in fairness i was stoking that flame a lot yeah a little bit <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit yeah so uh no no spoilers um no no, no it is it's being talked about i think i think the decision has been made just no one has publicized it yet yeah and that'll probably show up well, probably everywhere once it's announced, but definitely everywhere. on the PDH home base for sure. Yeah, on the home. Yeah, like, like I said, we we have a lot of members that are very active across all the various different social spheres. So they will, when when that decision goes out, it'll go out everywhere all at once, and you'll hear about it. Yeah, um, it really will too. I remember when the uh, the decision was made on the backgrounds from Baldur's Gate. Yeah. It was like as as soon as the decision was made, it was like the links were everywhere, the article was everywhere. It was it was awesome. Very very good exposure or transparency, I should say. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we try really hard to do is like we don't we want to be very available and accessible to people if they have questions, if they have complaints. We want them to know exactly where to find us and like what our stances are and why we make the decisions we make. We try to be very clear and upfront about it. Yeah, and it's the best thing you can do, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and and since like a, a non-trivial portion of the members of the rules committee were originally involved here as article writers and article editors. Mm -hmm. Like I think we do a pretty good job of like professionally delivering the messages. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's that's my self self flattery there. <laughs> Your little pat <laughs> on the back. You deserve it. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so it sounds like that going over the brief history of PDH and the RC, that the reason we have no legend restriction in the command zone is because when the format was being started by a bunch of different people, the legendaries just simply didn't exist. That's correct. Yeah. And if they did, it was probably not something you wanted to play. Yeah. So so a big question that we get asked now a lot is, now that the legendary uncommon creatures do exist, why don't you retroactively change the rules and make it so that only legendary uncommons are allowed? And the biggest reason we haven't done that is because of enfranchised players like Brad, who have built a lot of non-legendary decks <laughs> right. and love their non-legendary decks and don't want to have to retire these decks that they, they built for the format they love because of a rules change that is basically at this point pretty much purely an aesthetic thing. Yeah, it would have to be. Mm -hmm. It's literally just for that word, that legendary 
word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could update my decks to to fit, but yeah, I would prefer if if it stayed the same. I could probably update some of mine, but I have a lot of decks that really hinge on the fact that there is an ability on a non-legendary that is unique, and I can't yeah. get anywhere else. That makes sense. So like most, a lot of most just... of my decks are pretty terrible, so the commanders are kind of <laughs> interchangeable. It's not a big deal. <laughs> well, so, and something I want to touch on real quick is when you talk about going non-legendary, once you remove the background and the choose a background and the partner commanders, right? Because those are, those are more often than not going to create two color combinations. Sometimes we'll get you'll sometimes we'll get those those monocolor, but more often than not they'll create two color. I think each color has each monocolor has about ten uh commanders. Some have less than that. And then when you get to the two color combos, I think, you know, barring the uh awful legends and homelands commanders, you get the same deal where like each color combo has give or take ten until you get to three color where you only have one for each of the shards and none for any of the wedges. Whereas if we dip into that, you know, any uncommon creature, you get color combos like Tima, who only have Bear's Companion. I'm sorry, Tima. But (laughs) you get, (laughs) but like other color combos get like, you know, some of your wedges and, and a lot of your shards have like five or six options. And then we even have five color. So it, I like, I really think that, at this point in time, yes, the number of legends have increased. You know, again, barring partners and background commanders, there are 140. Mm-hmm. I, but I still like that's not enough. Imagine if you only had 140 commanders to choose from in EDH. Oh, it'd be miserable. It'd be horrible. Yep. So yeah, and I hadn't even thought about that that aspect of it either. Where you you know, if they had to be legendary uncommons, all of a sudden we don't really have three colors. We don't definitely yeah. don't have four colors. You know, I hadn't even thought about that. That was a good point. That would be very sad. You you have 140 options, and four of them are from Homeland. <laughs> Pushing your Homeland agenda. From legends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's. I mean, it really is. In recent years, when we started getting those huge cycles, like. You know, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms gave us 10 commandos. Commander Legends Baldur's Gate gave us 10 commandos. Dominaria, Kaldheim, Commander Legends gave us 10 commandos, one for each color combo. But you mm-hmm. exclude those, and Simic has Eutropa from uh, Theros 2 and Zamone from Strixhaven. Right. You, know, you exclude those. Boros has Quintorius. Like, oh, these, God. These, uh, uh, Quintoise is amazing, so I don't even know why I said it like that. Um, but like, no, 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 really it, is, I do like him. It's just that's the only option. Like, if yeah, once you exclude all the sets that have given us these huge cycles of commandos, like you have Quintoise, like every Boros deck going to be that from the end of time. Oh, like, I hope not. I love Boros. So I want more it, options than it really than is. That. While I, while I understand the aesthetic kind of complaint from people looking at EDH into PDH. It really just doesn't make sense. And because we have that, you know, any uncommon rule, the opportunities to brew that are created are immense. And I know you two can talk about this a lot more than I can, because I tend to just brew the legends because I'm I'm lame. (laughs) I don't know if it's lame. You also like to play against, you know, EDH pods with your PDH deck. So you have to have legends brewed up or be able to swap out or whatever. Yep. No, I, I definitely do a lot of brewing just like every other format I've, I've played in magic it's mostly what i do like I, I usually if i decide to have more than 
a couple paper decks built for a given format. I'll usually build like a hyper competitive one or two, a tier two or three, if you will, like more established, but, but not that great deck. And then I'll have just a bunch of brews and that's, that's what I've done with PDH too. And yeah, I think if I was stuck to just the legendaries, like I could probably do it. I, I wouldn't have nearly the amount of fun. Like I feel like it would be one of those situations where I would try to build all these different commanders, but all the decks would end up the same. If yeah, that makes yeah. sense. You know, even if I haven't looked it up, but say there's 10 different legendary Demir uncommon creatures. I feel like no matter what those abilities were, those decks would be the same. Well, so it's it's actually funny you use specifically Demir as your example because a lot of them are very different commanders. You have like Arami and Rilsa and Rona and they yeah. play extremely differently. But I will say when you get to the Izzet or the Boros commandos, almost all the Izzet uncommon legends care about casting spells. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Izzet's probably a at, more a better example for sure. When you look at the Boros uncommon legends, there are six of them. How many care about equipment? <laughs> four of them. Eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four of the six care directly about equipment. Mm-hmm. I think two of them care about ours as well. So you get a little bit of variety. It really is like there's not any variety when you get when you boil it down to just uncommon legends. Yeah, there's really not, and that's that's why I was saying Demir was a bad example. But you're right. If I walked up to a table and we could only use legendaries and they're like, oh, what are you playing? And I told them whatever legendary is it creature. They're pretty much going to know what I'm playing, you know, like know what's in my deck, know how I played it, how I brew it, what they're up against. Whereas having thousands of uncommons to choose from, granted, a very large percentage of those are not great, hardly playable, but no, but you just, fun. <laughs> exactly. But they're fun. You don't know what you're going to be up against. You know, it just lends itself to so much potential so much creative potential i guess if you will because mm-hmm. i'm a i'm a johnny at harp you know so how do you sort of approach the brewing aspect or what how would you approach the brewing aspect dave if, if you could only use legendaries like it wouldn't be very fun right <laughs> yeah i would i would like this format a lot less i i mentioned earlier with if you include everything with the, all the different you know partner commanders and all the different background commanders that we have recently the number of uncommon legendary creatures is sitting right around 230 mm-hmm. but if you compare that to the number of uncommon creatures that don't have to be legendary you're at about 4,000. yep and there's this like almost 20 times more variety and options and choices and that is that can be daunting like when you're looking at these things and you're thinking how do i choose one uh, just find one that you like like you don't yeah, have to just, look through all four thousand yeah. like just find pick up like. an uncommon creature and you're like this one's cool flesh taker he's wearing a cow face like <laughs> look at that. Well, let's see what i can do with a flesh taker yeah um, exactly i have there's a bunch of decks that i have that just categorically do not have a legendary analog like i'm I'm sort of looking through my deck list right now and i'm, I'm seeing stuff like you know i, I have a v2 gazi guild mage deck which is white green tokens. And like I could make a white green tokens deck with uh Kadira of the small, the sure. new Baldur's Gate. But it would be a it would be pretty different because Vitugazi Guildmage lets you populate at instant speed. Mm-hmm. So she lets you do really crazy stuff with mutate. She lets you do crazy absurd stuff with like slime molding. She lets you do crazy absurd stuff with myriad. And Kadira of the Small just gives you a lot of bunnies. Which is super cool, but it's a different deck. It's gonna yeah. play different. 
So like you could get some analogs, you can get, you can get similar archetypes, but then you look at other decks and you're looking at like Azra Oddsmaker has no legendary analog. No, 100%. This, this is a red black aggro deck that consistently delivering crazy beatings while also consistently discarding to hand size at end of turn. Like there's nothing else in the format that gives you this performance and this feeling it's she's completely irreplaceable another format unique guy is uh ether sworn sphinx yep nothing else in the format will let you cascade off of a nine cmc card (laughs) while also reducing its own casting cost with affinity for artifacts which reduces commander tax like (laughs) what legendaries don't do words to put on a commander (laughs) right also flying. That's, yeah, well, sure. It, it can that fly, too. too. That's yeah. fine. But yeah, Cascade Affinity for Artifacts is... That is that is a, a trip, and legendaries don't do that. And no, so, and, like, I couldn't even see them necessarily putting Affinity and Cascade on a legendary uncommon in a set. Yeah, I'm, I think that they would be worried about what happens to EDH. Right, exactly. Yeah. If, so if they put cascade and an affinity on a legendary like that has huge ramifications for commanders where you're allowed to play with like mana crypt and soul ring like, right. so by having madness. you know by having the the limitations of only brewing with legends we're also missing out on all these cool creatures that just have random abilities because they were just creatures you know yeah and that's what i love about it i just I love these silly ones that just do something completely off the wall and that's part of the fun of it to me you know yeah, Gild- Gilder Baron has a legendary analog that has only ever been rare in the form of Vorel of the Hulklade. Vorel of the Hulklade doesn't target certain card types. Gilder Baron can target any permanent. Vorel only targets like artifacts and creatures, I think. And also, Gilder Baron's ability is an untap ability which lets you do some really weird stuff where Vorel's mm-hmm. ability is a tap ability. Again, you could you could draw a lot of parallels between the decks that you can make out of these, but I, if Vorel were legal, which he's not because he's rare, but like it still would end up being a pretty different deck for a lot of subtle reasons. Yeah, and I think we sort of touched on it in our little podcast chat on Discord last night too. Like Some of the problems I have with uh, legendary uncommons is that the deck you're supposed to build with them is in their text box you know like there's very very specific parameters that watsy had in mind for this card for the deck they envisioned it in and the commander itself tells you what to do or how to build it and a lot of i mean they're powerful sure they're powerful and they're probably hella fun but that's not necessarily where i want to be if that makes sense that makes perfect sense makes sense to me lately i have found myself sort of staying away from commanders that essentially just build themselves yep like, like you said, you, you, you read the text box and you're like, oh, I know exactly which 60 cards to put in here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, exactly. Like, so does everyone else who's ever, so, so does everyone else who knows how to read. So yeah, like, exactly. 100%. I'm not, I'm going to let one of them build the deck and like borrow it from them when I have the urge to play that specific deck and then like <laughs> not clutter up my shelves with it in the meantime. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'll be over here brewing. I don't know some random creature from 17 years ago <laughs> it won't be as he good as the shade. legendary but he sounds shades and uncommon <laughs> home homeland's yes, meta homeland's for meta. everyone <laughs> the Asian shade has, has quite a few printings <laughs> masters 25 
I know that's where I knew it from was Masses 25. So he has a hobby saying, Japan promo anthologies he's, he's saying it's a legend from homelands i had to think i'm like isn't that just that random uncommon in masters 25 like yep that's the only uh alternate the only time i had different art was masters 25 anyway this is not right. the ice and shade tribute podcast <laughs> that, that's that's next week yeah that's next week that's episode 10 <laughs> all right so i guess i have a, a couple things to say about this is what it sounds like you all are saying is when we allow non-legends in the command zone we get different decks we get you know kind of similar archetypes but different things more you know arguably more cool things that you can do i i will go ahead and put my piece in is that you know even though i brew with almost exclusively legends i i do agree with some of the points that you know sometimes the decks get a little homogenous sometimes they even look like regular edh decks um just the 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 quality not the quality, but the uh, the the content of the cards that you're putting in. Mm-hmm. You know, if you would if you would have built the commando as like a regular EDH deck, you know, the the cards kind of look the same. It it does kind of limit you a little bit because the like you all said, the the commander tells you what to build, but it's also, you know, you you get four boys commanders that do the same thing. Right? You get three simic commanders that all do the same thing. Like it does get a little homogenous when you downgrade legends to the uncommon slot they all have to kind of do the same thing right so i do agree with that space however i disagree that they're unfun because i think all of my decks are very fun so uh, oh no they're definitely I'm... fun <laughs> they're, they're more than fun i just don't i don't like like we were talking about abdel just Wait, not let's just you. take yeah let's just take abdel for example i don't i would love to play it but like dave said just just give me the deck and play it because it's probably going to end up being the same that i would put together anyway so just give me your paper deck and I'll play it sort of thing. Like I don't want to sit and try to brew Abdel when it's basically not been solved, but there's only a certain amount of builds that, that can exist with that card because of yeah. what it says and what it does. 100%. All but right. it still looks hella fun. Yeah. Not a lot of variance in it. Yeah. So, that, thank you. That's a good way to put it. So we've addressed the first thing that we usually see of, you know, why, why non-legends, you know, what, what, hooks or pros do you get from brewing with any uncommon we've addressed that but the other thing that i often see and i know brad you say you often see this is rules issues mm-hmm. wouldn't allowing non-legendary creatures in the command zone create rules issues and i think first people need to understand what the command zone is um the command zone is not a special commander only zone we talked about this uh two episodes ago mm-hmm. right when we talked about emblems and dungeons very briefly the command zone is in every game of Magic you play. Whether or not it's used is up to the cards in players' decks. You know, when an, em- when an emblem is created by a planeswalker, it sits in the command zone. When you venture into the dungeon or take the initiative, it sits in the command zone. The dungeon itself sits in the command zone. When you're the monarch, it sits in the command zone, right? So this is a zone that's kind of a catch-all for the game, which means that the legendariness of a card isn't inherent to the command zone it's just when you build a commander deck and you have your declared legendary creature as the commander it starts the game in the command zone it's just a different rule so the legendary thing isn't really tied to that zone but the other thing is that the rules issues that would be created by allowing just any uncommon creature in the command zone are often already rules issues that we experience with regular commanders yeah, they're part and of I, the existing game as it is. Yeah, and and we're gonna we're gonna draw some parallels between mechanics 
and and that that exist on uncommon creatures that exist on legendary creatures as well of any rarity. So we can kind of you know show you that yeah these would create rules issues, but they already exist. Like they already exist in Commando. So it's not really anything special with PH format. But we're also going to talk about some some specific specific cards that because they were never designed for the command zone, they do get a little wacky, mm-hmm. and it's fun. And it is fun. It's very fun. It's not yeah, like wacky so, in the sense of like, oh, I slam my commander, I win. Yeah. No, not like that. It's just exactly. the way they function in the command zone is kind of strange. Yep, 100%. And it it really is best, in, in, in my opinion, to just take a step back and think about how the card might work. Like, don't always just jump to the most broken thing you can think of. Right. Sometimes it is as simple as reading the card and understanding right. the mechanics. Right. Uh, and if you're ever in doubt, ask a judge. Like that's what we're here for. But yeah. So so you know, for example, uh, a mechanic that only works from hand, such as cycling, needs to be in the hand. You can't cycle from the command zone. Same thing goes for the uh, ninjutsu mechanic, which recently came back in Kamigawa. You cannot ninjutsu from the command zone. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to do it from hand. That's why we have commander ninjutsu on Yuriko. <laughs> that way it worked from the command zone, and we saw how much of a mess that was. Right, exactly. Um, so, like, these mechanics, yeah, they exist among common creatures, and yeah, that could be in your command zone in PDH, but it doesn't break the creature, right? Like, it, it, the you know, these are things that already exist. Uh, I can't remember, does Satoru Umazawa have his own ninjutsu ability, or does he just grant it to everything else? I think he just grants it to everything else, right? I would have to check. But there's that uh, mono blue ninja, uh, Higyo, the still wind. He's got ninjutsu. You could never ninjutsu him from the command zone. Satoru does not have ninjutsu. Okay. But Higure yeah. does, yes. E- exactly. And, like he... and Inkai's as well. Thank Inkai's, you. I yes. could not figure out how to spell it. It really is just thinking about that. And then if something does have an alternate casting cost or mode, you know, thinking of things such as like mutate or adventure, uh, yes, you know, that does work from the command zone. It works, you know, in uh, a slightly different way. It does have command attacks, right? Like those things still apply. But yeah, it really is understanding the rules and how a mechanic works on a fundamental level to really understanding if the card is even broken in the command zone. So jumping to some more mechanical examples. I did have a question if I could interrupt you real quick. Because I've literally never played against or brewed up an adventure creature deck for PDH. Mm Mm-hmm. The adventure half, this is probably a silly question, the adventure half does not have its own commander tax. It's not a separate commander tax. It is a but applied like, whenever you cast either half from the command zone. So you yep. don't need to keep track of how many times you've cast the adventure or how many times you've cast the creature. Nope. Like they're not uh, separate in that respect. For adventure, spells, track... yeah, for, for adventure spells and the creature, you only need to track how many times you've cast the physical card. The cardboard um, itself. Yes. From, think oh, of from it, the command zone. Yes, from, from the command, command zone. zone. If you of cast it, like... it from the adventure zone, no tax is applied, no tax is accumulated. Yep. Nice. Uh, think of it like the uh, legendary deans from Strixhaven, right? The ones where it was legendary creature on both sides, they share a commander tax. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. Perfect. So yeah, so drawing some more parallels between uh, the PDH command zone and the EDH command zone. Uh, when it comes to the cycling mechanic, we have a lot more PDH commanders that have cycling built on them. There is only one in EDH. It is uh, Yadaro, the Wandering Monster. And again, cycling walks from hand. Right, so if you really want to cycle your commander for whatever reason, you need to get it in your hand first. You know, moving on to the next mechanic, we have morph. the The morph mechanic, right? You pay three generic mana to morph the card face down. Uh, when you do pay that three generic cost, if there is tax, that is when you pay it, not when you're flipping it face up. 
Mm-hmm. For example, a commander example of Morph would be Akroma. Uh, I think it's Angel of Wrath. Angel of Has Fury. Angel of Fury, Fury is the red yep. one. Gotcha. Uh, Akroma Angel of Fury, the, the, the red one, does have that Morph example. Uh, partner with or the partner mechanic. We do have legendary partners from Commander Legends 1. Uh, and we do get partner with commandos because there were uncommon non-legendary creatures with partner with in Battle Bond. Mm-hmm. And they just work like regular partners. They're just not legendary. I see a line there. I don't know who put that, but that was not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And then, you know, talking about commanders that are a little bit uh, different, you know, in, in PDH, uh, we have uh, MDFCs and that that are an uncommon creature on the front side and a land on the back. These come from Zendikar Rising. There's five of them, one for each mono color. In PDH, your commander must be a creature spell, which means you can run these as your commander. However, from the command zone, you can only cast that creature side, right? Because you right. can't play your commander in PDH. You cast your commander, and that's actually a pretty common question I get. For, yep. for for um, people new to the format or just wanting to learn about it or whatever. That's a very common question. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, if you got these commanders in your hand or in your graveyard somehow and were allowed to just play them as a land, you could play them as a land then. But from the commands, and it has to be the creature. Uh, as such, because it has to be a creature spell, Dryad Arbor's original printing wasn't uncommon. It cannot be a commander in this format because it is a land. Therefore, it's not a spell. Right, um, right. The evoke mechanic, the, the the mechanic where it's an alternate cost when it comes into play, if it's evoke cost was paid, you sacrifice immediately. Mold um, Drifter. Yeah, Mold Drifter is a big one. I don't believe there are any legendary creatures that have evoke on them. I believe it's all non-legendary creatures. You can activate evoke from the command zone because it's an alternate cost. Mm-hmm. Same goes for mutate. Same goes for bestow. These are just alternate casting modes. Tax does apply if you choose to cast them like that. But, you know, you're not really breaking the any, a format in half by doing this, Mm-mm. right? You evoke Drifter for three, sure, you get two cards, but then you have to do it for five, and then seven. Like, it, right, it does exactly. get out of hand. Um, Cause there's when nothing... I first started playing, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, there, there's that I can think of, there's nothing on an uncommon creature, no mechanic anyway, that just inherently, like, breaks the game. That's just not the nature of uncommon creatures. So yeah, Un- uncommon you know, creatures evoke and mutate and bestow and all this stuff. Yeah, you cast it from the command zone. You can do it however much you want or however much mana you have, and it's it's fine. It may be a little more to keep track of, but that's about it. Yeah. yeah. The two quick things I'd like to add are when I first started playing, there was a lot of talk about how Shriek Maw was overpowered and should be banned <laughs> because you could evoke it from the command zone as just this repeatable removal spell. And then That's I actually amazing. played against someone who was doing it. And like, yeah, he, at the expense of not ever having access to a commander creature that helps your deck and lets you do things, he did get to play a removal spell like three times. Yeah. He like did the thing he wanted six. to do. Yeah. Two, four, six. And then like, he's not going to, you're not going to play a terror for eight. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to play a three, two with fear for like, 11 right like <laughs> yeah he killed a couple of my creatures i was like okay and yeah. then like, just wait till turn not... six and the game is mine right it's it's, <laughs> it's not a big deal uh the other thing i want to add really briefly about um certain certain concerns i've heard from the any commander in the in the or any uncommon creature in the command zone is on the topic of lands from the command zone when when people try to bring this up the question is always if my commander dies a whole bunch can i still play the land for free 
because like what what do you do for a commander tax on a land and i say well you can't play the land from the command zone so that's a moot question right but then the follow-up is always uh what about the legates from mercadian masks there's a cycle of like rushwood legate like Saparas and Legate, which all have this condition on them that allows you to, like, if you control a, an island and your opponent controls a mountain, you can cast the spell for free. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, oh, that means no commander tax, right? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> alternate casting costs That's... never mean no commander tax. Yeah, free Always is still just an alternate tax. cost. Yeah. St- the, the, the commander tax gets added to that afterwards. You still have to pay the commander tax, even if you're even if you skip the mana cost commander tax gets added afterwards right so uh zero plus two is still two exactly that is me chiming in on the lands evoke discussion yep and And pass it back to liam and for anyone that may be confused about that that is actually uh about the legates um that is actually just put the the rules on the order of casting a spell and paying costs it really is determine how much you're going to pay which part of, you know, the, the first step of doing that is, are you paying the regular cost or are you paying an alternate cost? Right. And then after you've decided that, it says, are there any additional costs? And then it asks, do you have any cost reductions? And then it goes on like a list of steps. But, you know, that additional cost does come after the fact you've determined you're paying an alternate cost. And commander tax is an additional cost. So that's just the kind of technical background behind uh, what Dave just said there. Yep, I'm, I'm. I'm not a judge, but I want to see if I remember the four steps of casting correctly. I, you determine I, whether you're doing the main cost or an alternate cost. Step step one is main or alternate. Yep. S- step two is additions. Okay. Step three is reductions. Step four is trinosphere. That sounds right, but I think there are more steps. I, I oh, could okay. be wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> but 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 what you just said is in the correct order. Okay. But I think there are other steps. I think, I so, think there are steps between reduction and trinosphere. Yes, but I, so but I could the, be wrong. The commander tax is always an additional cost, so it comes in on step two of that, whereas the alternate costs would be step one. So even if you have the legit and you have the right mana situation with your you and your opponents, you can pay zero for the alternate cost, and then there's a cost addition applied to that afterwards. Yep, and for anyone trying to uh, determine what Alk and I are saying, we're saying a legate, legate, um, spelled L-E-G-A-T-E, if you want to plug that into Scryfall. Yeah, there's one for each monocolor from Mercadian Masks. I'll be honest, I never learned how to pronounce this word. This is I... one of those words that I've only ever seen in writing. It's legate. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, legate. Here, like, so I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here like, I don't know if these people know what these cards are. Yeah. Um, legate? 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 Something. I mean, sure. I'll, give, I'll give the listener the benefit of the doubt. You know, they may, know, they may have already pulled them up, but yeah, you know, good. some might not. But yeah, so so moving on, moving on from the one to one examples of, of EDH to PDH, there are a couple creatures that when when people kind of look at them, they're like that that can't possibly be right. Um, or you know, this is their prime example of breaking the format. Which if if this is your prime example of breaking the format, I got to be honest, there are more broken things you can honestly be doing. Yeah, exactly. Then probably nothing to worry about then. And those more broke those more broken things are you know with Tati over. So that's a legendary creature. Mm-hmm. So the first one I talk I want to talk about is a card called Bastion Protector. Some of you may know this card, uh, but some of you may not. It is a human soldier. For two and a white, it is a 3-3. It comes from Commander 2015, and it recently got its first reprint in the Midnight Hunt Commander decks. Both of those printings were rare. However, Mm -hmm. on Magic Online, 
it had a promo uncommon printing. Therefore, it is a legal commando in our format. I love unification. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> three mana, three, three human soldiers is pretty good. Um, but then it has this interesting line of text of commando creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and have indestructible. Huh, but, but Liam, Bastion Protector is your commander. Oh, so it is, Brad. What that means is that Bastion Protector is actually a three mana, five, five with indestructible. <laughs> in mono white. No. <laughs> yes, in mono no white. No big deal. This is um, fine. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, if you're playing, you know, Mono White Voltron, probably with some equipment enchantments, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's not broken. Mm-mm. Like, yeah, a three mana 5-5 five, five with Indestructible is well above rate for an uncommon, but, you know, there are things that deal with that. We have yeah. plenty of exile removal in the format. We have plenty of bounce in the format. Could you imagine someone enchanting this three times and putting equipment on that and it gets bounced? Because <laughs> we don't have Hexproof. <laughs> we don't have Hexproof. We Paper have Shroud. Snag. Yeah, we have Shroud. We, but like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, turn it into a tree. <laughs> yeah. I'm just Oubliette. like, yeah, the, like Oof. this isn't. Oh, <laughs> right. Oubliette would be rough. But like, you, like this isn't impossible to deal with. It's just an above rate creature. And honestly, when you look at things like Gary being allowed in the command zone, <laughs> yeah, this doesn't scare me. <laughs> and I think um, that yeah. that kind of speaks to what you what you're just talking about is they're powerful, but they're not unbeatable. Like one of the. I don't know if they're trying to be smart or whatever, but one of the rebuttals I get to any, you know, oh, you can use any, you know, uncommon creature that's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's not, not a huge deal, whatever. And they're like, well, I just can't imagine that. Like, Slippery Boggle, that would just be unbeatable. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not getting into this, but it's not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You're looking it's for not the even close to the, the best deck. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I played no. against Slippery Boggles on Saturday. Yeah, it was yeah. a good match. Yeah. It was a good and, match. I was afraid. I thought I was going to lose. And I, I, I do want to say something. Is like when you when you're looking at PDH from an EDH lens, something like Slippery Boggle could appear unbeatable. But mm-hmm. an interesting fact about PDH is that you know the format is more grindy than EDH by by a significant margin, in my opinion. Oh yes, for sure. And the format also has a suspicious lack of you know, nuclear buttons, you know, warheads. It, it doesn't have board wipes. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, I am an advocate for saying, you know, PH does have a lot more board wipes than it seems to appear. You just have to be creative about it. Right. But like, realistically, like, Wrath of Gods and Blasphemous Acts don't exist. Um, Just the, the, the you know, pay five, six mana, it's all answered no matter what. We don't have that. So a byproduct of that is a lot more removal gets run. And I mean a lot. A like, lot. my any given EDH deck I run might have like two to three board wipes and then three to five single target removal. And I know I run light on removal, but that's because I like battle cruiser and magic and I just remove the thing that's going to win the game on the spot. Yeah. Um, but like my PDH decks, I think run almost an average of 20 removal spells. Sure. And, yeah. I, you know, a I've lot been of told before, to like when I first got it, sorry, when I first got into the format, I was talking to, to Scarecrow, to Paul, and I asked him something about a deck or, how many removal spells is, is too little or too many or whatever, you know, for this black X, whatever I was building. He's like, well, start at six and go up from there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like realistically, I probably run a lot more than I need to. But, you know, I'm also running an EDH meta where I don't have board wipes in my deck. So I need to be able to answer things more consistently. But, you know, saying that, like... Uh, I looked at a lot of PDH lists online, and they do have 10 to 15 removal spells. You know, triple what an EDH deck has to make mm-hmm. up for that lack of board wipe. So really, these things like Bogle were like, oh, you know, you need to remove that three, four times. Yeah, but if 
you know, you and your two other opponents that are facing down that Burgle each have 10 removal spells. You have 30 removal spells. Yeah, well, you're probably okay. The, the thing that makes Bogle scary is that it's mostly immune to the removal spells. But the thing that makes it reasonable is you can always race the Bogles. Yeah. Like, Bogles, Bogles has creature. the gas and the resiliency to just outrun one player pretty effectively mm-hmm. uh and then the other two murder you because you're a huge <laughs> threat like a you huge can't, threat but, yep I, and, and if you're in a 1v1 situation if you're doing dual commander pop or dual commander like bogles is sort of more threatening then but like even then things can outrace it but, but, but uh that... you, it's not going to outrace the 3v1 it's yeah. uh it's fine it's a yeah. pretty balanced actually and that's for the bogle example but realistically any commander that you know is is poised as as a problem in the command zone we have 30 to 45 removal spells between three players it's, it'll be fine yeah um, if you want <laughs> a really comprehensive list of creatures that are really problematic in the command zone please check out crash's tier list and yes. listen to last week's episode <laughs> yeah uh, there you it go. is perfect very thoroughly researched yeah um speaking of things that can outrace bogles i don't have this deck built but theoretically it's it's a favorite of mine it's called Loyal Apprentice. Let's talk about some loyal cards. Yeah. So the the loyal cycle from Commander 2018. You know, one for each color. I believe Commander 2018 was the last year they did a full cycle of com- uh, Planeswalker Commanders, right? That's I don't pay attention. Sounds yeah, that's, about right. That's Wind Grace and Estrid and that gang. But yeah, so the loyal cycle. These bring the lieutenant mechanic with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time that this mechanic appeared at Uncommon. The previous time we saw them was, I believe, 2014 or 2015, but they were all at Rare. And the lieutenants, yeah. the lieutenants are all, you know, about two to four, uh, two to five mana, about an on-rate creature for whatever mana cost they are. They all have a, mecha- a, a, a keyword, a, a, an evergreen keyword. Uh, the white one has Vigilance, blue is flying, you know, go through that. But then they all have this lieutenant ability, which reads, at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control your commander, do a thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get some things like Loyal Drake, where it's like, okay, you draw a card. And Loyal Subordinate, yeah. where it's like, each opponent loses three life. Okay, fine. That one's big. But the two that I really want to hit on are the red and the green one. Uh, the red one, like like Alcadron just mentioned, uh, is a two-mana 2-1 two, with haste. And it says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control your commander, create a 1-1 one, one colorless softer artifact creature token with flying, and that token gains haste until end of turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if Loyal Apprentice is your commander, does the Lieutenant ability trigger? Yes. Yep, because you do control your commander. Yeah. The, the question is, do you control your commander? It, well, yes. <laughs> Ask the question, so, you get the answer. <laughs> so you, you get the effect. Right. Um, the other one I want to talk about real quick is Loyal Guardian. Four Amazing. For a 4-4 trampling rhino, which says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control your commander, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Yeah, that, that's, that's not target creature. That, that's <laughs> not target creature. This thing ran laps in my Rayhan Ishai deck when I had that years ago, and it runs laps in PDH. Yep, it's and all it, all it asks is to not be in the command zone. You make a deck with Loyal Apprentice, or Loyal loyal Guardian is the Rhino? Uh-huh. Yep. Right, so Loyal Guardian, 30, 35, 36 lands, 35, 36 mana dorks, and then a couple trample spells. Yeah. That's it. That's your whole deck. Yep. That, that's <laughs> you, it. <laughs> you need you need so little here. Because <laughs> like, the you know the man of the works eventually. You don't have to worry about making room for draw there. spells because it's green and we don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's there's big fancy draw spells in EDH don't exist in PDH. It, uh, yeah, that's kind of rough. <laughs> that can, is a little. You rough. can get some good ones in there. Uh, blue. Le- 
lead the stampede. That's you, a good one. You you meet is in a tavern. Common? Is lead the stampede? Common? Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a rail. No. Oh no. <laughs> oh, I don't see. I don't lead play the green. stampede is common. <laughs> I don't play green that much. <laughs> yeah, first showed up in common what? and iconic masters. It was an uncommon outside of that. I have a winding ways. The other really good winding one. ways a very good one. Yeah. Yeah, and just like the uh, legate cycle, these are one for each model color. Except these, yep. I, I think, are a little better than the Mercadian mask legates. <laughs> I think the white one is interesting. I do want to talk about that real quick because we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. You know, it's it's a four mana three four of vigilance, and Unicorn. while I I don't think it's anything fancy in EDH. You know, it's a unicorn like Brad just said, so it goes in the unicorn decks. But in EDH in particular, I don't think it's you know particularly interesting. But in PDH. It says, if you control your commander, prevent all combat damage that will be up to creatures you control this turn, and other creatures you control gain vigilance turn. So you just get to swing with white weenies and fog your table? Every turn. Every like, turn. That's like, one of the I problems think, with running mono-white decks is you're, a, you're scared to attack unless you I have think, a fog in hand. I think there are definitely better mono-white commanders you could be running. Probably. But like, but like just the threat of building a board of weenies or, or small dudes with keywords... And then giving them all vigilance and unable to be killed through combat is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, as it just really a, is. I, I I saw a loyal guardian deck. Is the is the unicorn the guardian or is the U- rhino unicorn? The, yeah, it's loyal just loyal unicorn. unicorn. Yep. God. Okay. I'm I'm like over two on these names. Um, <laughs> I saw a loyal unicorn deck once that was, it was exactly like what Liam just described, just white weenies, except it it ran every single legal common with bandit. That's fantastic. Oh my god. So <laughs> so that on the clap back, like when someone tries to attack you and your whole board has vigilance, you just go like, I block with this, I redirect all of the damage to the one guy with banding, and then I give him protection. Like, <laughs> that is wild. That's... It's just a wall that no one can ever get through. Yep. That's amazing. <laughs> it was very funny. But yeah, That's like, awesome. Yeah, so, so pulling it back in, you know, the, the loyal cycle, it's your commando. So yeah, you get the bonus, you know. These things weren't designed to be in the command zone, but because that format has that special rule where it allows them, they become a lot stronger. Yeah, um, and, and, and yet they're still not broken. Yeah, none of them are terribly broken. Mm-hmm. They all just have, you know, they they basically lose their lieutenant ability, and they just have, at the beginning of combat in your turn, do this thing. Yep. Which makes them all inherently aggro decks, which I find fascinating as well. Yeah, and then moving on, there's one other one that I uh, specifically do want to talk about, and then I'll open it up to any examples you all have. Uh, Peregrine Drake, I see this one a lot. You know, it, it was printed at common in Eternal Masters, so it is legal to just run in the 99. Mm-hmm. However, all of its other printings are uncommon, so it's definitely a commander. And, you know, everyone knows the Drake combos. You have Drake and the Soulbound guy that you pay two mana and flicker. Or you have Drake and any flicker spell plus an Archaeomancer effect, right? And then you make infinite mana, mm-hmm. Okay. What are you gonna do with it? like in mono blue? What are you gonna yeah. do with that? <laughs> in, in mono blue, what are you like like you you know your usual answers of well I'm gonna cast altar of dementia or altar of the brood? No, you're not. Not here. <laughs> I'm gonna have impact tremors in in mono blue. In mono blue, like oh like, wait don't you, get, get you can cast a Ulamog's crusher. Yeah, I mean don't get me wrong, there are definitely win cons to be had here. You have <laughs> you know tidal board, you have uh, cap size and just bounce everyone's boards. Uh, which is not really a win, but it just says everyone else loses. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think that I think the typical line involves yep. casting 
whispers of the muse until yeah. you draw into a second archaeomancer and a compulsive research and then you compulsive research everyone to death or deep analysis everyone to death yeah. maybe yep. Yep. you could do so that you one you of could, the draw spells that says target player you could do sage's road denizen which just mills yeah. everyone because you have infinite oh, yeah. Yeah. you have sunscorched desert you have sunscorched desert which is just pinging <laughs> here's the problem whenever you're running peregrine drake when do you play it the turn you combo off that's when you reveal you have peregrine drake <laughs> right because everyone thinks you probably your... have it but they don't know for sure exactly but if peregrine drake is your commander you're telegraphing from turn zero that you have one of your three or four card combo pieces already and yep. here's the other fascinating part is when you're winning with the Peregrine Drake combo, you have a bunch of different outlets like we just described. You have infinite mill, infinite draw, you have infinite damage, right? Okay, Mancer effects. We have, I think, four, maybe five at common. For the Ghostly Flicker effects, we have two, I think it's Ghostly Flicker and Displace. Only there one might... of them hits lands. So if you're trying yeah. to do... Uh, yeah. The yeah. So you have two there. And you've got a bunch of tutors, sure. You have you have all your Transmute and you have uh, Merchant Scroll. But do you, do you know how many Peregrine Drake variants we have? None. At least right. none that are playable outside of a two-color deck, because if you're going to run Cloud of Fairies, you need a bounce land to be mana positive. Yeah. Like, realistically, yeah, Peregrine Drake is a well-known combo piece and could be assumed to be a problem. But once you're telegraphing that you have a combo piece from turn zero, and it is the irreplaceable combo piece, and it goes back to the command zone if it's killed or countered, uh, yeah, you're, you're Arch Enemy. I don't see that playing any other way. Yeah, you're probably not uh, going to get the combo off. There, there are... There are other decks that are more the arch enemy. I think yeah. I would I would target priority uh, Tatiova over a uh, Paragon Drake, but I, well, I would be yes. But I would assuming be of the Paragon Drake, assuming there's no Tatiova in the pod, right? Assuming there was no other yeah. deck that's going to be running this combo in the pod, which you know would be quite frequently. Assuming you're not in a CDH scenario, like you're, you're arch enemy. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's yeah, no other way to put that. Be prepared to be running forty counter spells. Is all I gotta say. You're running your combo yeah. shell, the tutors for it, and counter magic. That that's it. Yeah. Yep. Peregrine Drake's not a problem. I'm sorry. It's not. As a commander, it's really not. Even as part of the ninety nine, it's not a super problem. Yeah. It's just more comes out of oh, nowhere. Oh, definitely definitely not when it's in the ninety nine, because like I said, once you deal with it, it doesn't go to the command zone. It doesn't go back to hand unless you bounced it. Like yeah. you count it or you kill it, like it's it combo's done. So that's just my two cents on Peregrine Drake. No, those are very those are shiny cents. Those are shiny pennies. That's good. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are um, there any other commanders y'all have examples of that seem to get a little more broken? But you know, once you think about it, it's not really. I don't. I don't know about broken, but not really. There's there's a couple interesting situations that I want to mention as okay. long as we're bringing up specific commanders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of them is a category that I I think PDH sees a lot more of than EDH, and that is commanders that you want to go to your graveyard. Okay. Um, things with unearth. Like if you're looking at Sidraxis Spectre, Sidraxis Spectre is a really cool control shell Grixis commander where you can be really aggressive with this 3-2 that makes people discard. And then you can just let it die and then unearth it. Mm -hmm. And then after mm -hmm. it's unearthed, then you send it to the command zone. Well, and that's Very the cool stuff you can do there. That's the cool thing about what you were just talking about is we have a lot of commanders that care about the graveyard because a lot of these uncommon creatures were, were built to work with the higher rarity creatures you know what i'm saying like in their own set they were made to work with the mythic that cared about you sacrificing creatures or cared about this creature in the graveyard well yeah 
Mm-hmm. You know, now we have that ability on the uncommon, which leads to maybe not that strategy that it was built for 10 years ago, but a whole different one or a whole different game plan for, for PDH. Yeah. Another one of my favorite examples of this is called Fathom Fleet Swordjack. This is a pirate from the original Commander Legends. It doesn't have Unearth. It has Encore, which is a little bit like Unearth, but you get a token copy for each player and you mm-hmm. get to attack everyone all at once. Mm-hmm. So Fathom Fleet Swordjack is a really interesting case because when you play it, uh, it has an attack trigger that deals damage equal to the number of artifacts you control to the defending player, which is monstrous. You can easily swing for like eight or nine damage with this thing. Yeah. And you you end up in this weird situation where if someone tries to block and kill it, it becomes more threatening. And you get to encore it on your next turn and <laughs> right. attack everyone all at once. So like, who's going to block? Who's going to try and kill this? Like, <laughs> no one wants to kill it. They're just going to keep taking like eight to the dome every time it attacks. So very cool things you can do with Fathom Fleet Sword Jack. There's also some cool things with Disturb uh, from some of the uh, Innistrad sets. There are some very cool things going on with Disturb. And and actually, I think I just did a quick search, and if I did it correctly, there's no Mythic that has Encore. Oh, no, there is one, the Phyrexian Triniform. Oh, yeah. And that's it. And that's funny. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Um, Yeah, so Azorius has um, Brinecomber is a, uh, a, a little body that continues to make additional bodies every time you enchant something. It's mm-hmm. very cool. Uh, there's a farmer that a, a friend of mine has a deck built with this farmer. I forgot what it's called, but it's a it's like a three two that taps something every time you play a card from the graveyard, and then it turns into like a two one with flying or something. I don't know. It's it's a very cool deck that really focuses in on graveyard things. Oh, is it distracting and geist? Maybe whenever distracting geist attacks, tap target creature. No, no. It's a it's a farmer that comes in and mills you two cards, and then it disturbs into a spirit that lets you tap a creature anytime you cast something from your graveyard oh devoted graph keeper that one yep he enters you mill yeah. two and whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard you tap a creature you don't control that's awesome yeah yeah it does some really cool stuff lets you play around with those the yeah. last actual threatening commander i want to talk about is parcel beast because a mutate he is a is beast bizarre as hell and does really unintuitive thing and there's a competitive deck that uses parcel beast really effectively a competitive deck that's actually ranked higher than slippery boggle (laughs) yes yeah parcel beast is uh i think tier two boggles Mm -hmm. uh, i think tier three according to crack right but yeah it's uh one of the infinite lines in the the parcel beast deck is animating one of your lands with life spark spell bomb Mm-hmm. Okay. And then tapping it and untapping about a million times for infinite mana by using something <laughs> like Freed from the Real. Yeah. Cast right onto it. And then mutating Parcel Beast onto your land to try and close out the game by drawing your deck until you get a Viridian Longbow. Uh, oh and my god. <laughs> yeah. The, the idea of mutating a Parcel Beast from the command zone onto a land that has been animated with a Life Spark spell bomb is and, and then you equip bananas. It. And then you equip it. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. This is yeah, what no, we wouldn't whole... have if we had to have legendaries. We wouldn't get this. Exactly. Which is, it's funny to me because EDH has mutate in the command zone. And I think that's exactly as much of a nightmare as it is here. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, this isn't is definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so this isn't like it's not like EDH doesn't get mutate in the same way that EDH doesn't get like, you know, the the weird cyclers or the the weird ninjutsu guys. Yeah. Both of those are examples of things that EDH does have. I don't know what I was talking about, but uh it's just a weird <laughs> thing where it's a it's it's actually a, a very high tier deck that just does bizarre things with the command zone because we have 
un opened it up to uncommon creatures, not just legend. There are no uncommon legendary with mutate, and this isn't something we could do in PDH without that clause. So yeah, exactly. I like it a lot. I'm still trying yeah, that to whole that whole mechanic. That whole mechanic would be gone to us. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, what I, saying, Liam? yeah. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the parcel beast combo. <laughs> that is, this, this was literally the first time I ever heard of it. Like I've seen the decks, and I've he I've heard people talk about how much of yeah. a powerhouse it is but this is the first time i've actually I, uh consumed the co the combo it, it, that's wild it just so sounds like I, malcolm kettis with extra stats uh so it's the the thing i like about it is that this what i have described is like one of the six or seven different combo lines that you typically run in the parcel beast deck mm -hmm. and it's it's more of a backup plan than plan a gotcha okay yeah, but it is it is a line that you can run. Yeah, yeah, but it's something you can actually pull off. It's not just like uh, I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I definitely don't have any recommendations like that. I just I'm still like I, I don't know. Like every day I look for random commanders I've never heard of, or um, I listen to old podcasts like uh, Limited Resources or, or some other podcast that does like at the time when their set review was brand new four years ago. But I like to listen to those old episodes to so like just listen about the cards and hear about how they graded them back then and this and that. And um, LR does the thing where they do the commons and uncommons together. And then on a different episode, they'll do rares and mythics. So I always listen to the commons and uncommons, obviously. And sometimes I'll hear ones from sets that I just never heard of before and that'll like spark a new brew or whatever. And sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. Like I'll get it all put together in my head and then. I'll look on Moxfield and there maybe is only one or two. And then the more I think about it, it's like, oh, well, probably because it sucks. And, you know, <laughs> the initial hype is over with. But at least it's like the experience of finding that new commander. Um, I think that's what I like the best about not ha not being restricted by the legendary rule is just the sheer number of yeah. options we have, basically. And honestly, if if I'm going to introduce someone to the format, when I say, you know, you can you can choose... Any non-legendary creature that's uncommon. And I kind of the first thing I get is like, well, how many of those are there? Mm -hmm. Almost 4,000. Yeah. <laughs> how do you choose? Well, you got you got a couple different steps. And this is kind of how I've seen the most success and, and the most kind of, uh, you know, I want to call repeat customers of them building more and more decks of LGS. My, my first question is, do you have a favorite set? If they have a favorite set, I tell them to go to Scryfall, look at that set, filter for just uncommon creatures, and find one they like. Yep. Because if they have a favorite set, they're going to have a lot of connections to a lot of creatures or a lot of spells. If one of those connections happens to be an uncommon creature, that will spark that, that brewing process immediately. Mm -hmm. If they don't have a favorite set, or they have like a couple different favorite sets, you know, because you know, their favorite their favorite plane is Ravnica, but we've been to Ravnica 20,000 times. Right. You know, I'll be like, okay, well, you know, you, you, you like Ravnica. What's your favorite guild? Okay. So, you know, their favorite guild is Rakdos. So what I'm going to do at that point is you know i i will be like okay let's look at the ravnica sets that have rakdos in them and let's look at those uncommon creatures and there might be like 10 of them but now they have it narrowed down from four thousand to 10 and mm -hmm. that becomes a lot less daunting yep you know often you know if they say they have a favorite guild i just tell them look at the guild mages you know because yeah, because that's the thing is if you if you ask someone well do you have a favorite color combo you know if what they say is where you guide them next you know if they say oh yeah i love blue red like okay when did you start playing magic let's look for a, a creature around then right when did you mm -hmm. start drafting something you're familiar with yep yeah but if they're like well i like is it it's like okay what ravnica set was the newest after you had started playing <laughs> right 
because that to me says they have that mental connection they're a little more enfranchised right you know kind of guide them in different directions and sometimes it's like you know my uh, my best friend i recently got him to uh, build a pdh deck and he is in love with innistrad uh specifically with shadows so i shoved him over to scryfall i was like look you just gotta look up shadows over innistrad right you gotta look at the uncommon creatures and just pick one right and what he came up with right is he found uh the accursed witch Oh, right, that which, thing that turns into a a curse. Uh huh. Oh, that thing is so cool. That is yeah. cool. And and like, I'll be honest, the deck is the deck is awful. But <laughs> yeah, but sure. it has him thinking about other commanders that he can build, and he's looking. I think right now at one of the commander legends, uh, Baldur's Gate commanders to build. Nice. But but like even like just I think it was two or three weeks ago, he looked at me. He's like, yeah, this this witch deck is terrible, but I love it. And it's mm-hmm. my child, and I'm building more. And I was like, "Yep, mission accomplished." There you go. And, and, you, you know, yeah. heaven forbid you ever have to tear it apart, you'll be out like thirty dollars. Not even <laughs> right. I, I think he, I think he built it out of the store's bulk. And when he oh, presented perfect. them with a, when he presented them with a pile of commons, the dude was just like five dollars. Yeah, give me five bucks. <laughs> <you're good. laughs> yeah. Like yep, yep. it was, yeah. it like you know, you, you may not have an LGS like that. You might have to like go through a computer system and start looking, or you may have a collection deep enough to just build. But like, yeah. you know, if you if if you have kind of that EDH knowledge, just look what's legal. Like honestly. Yep. And then go and to even your if you don't, set. you know, our commons go back thirty years now. So even if you don't have yeah. the bulk to like perfectly optimize your whatever Viscopa Guild Mage deck, you can get it pretty close and then just tune it as you go along. Yep. It doesn't have to be, you know, a power level of seven, eight, nine right out of the box. Oh to, yeah, no, definitely not. To, to compete, no. And, and I think that's where people kind of um, get this a little mixed up with EDH. Like, when you build your first EDH deck, right, we have this problem where, like, you know, w- w- older precons weren't on par with what people were building when they were ordering cards. And newer precons, depending on the precon, are, are pretty much there. You know, they might need a couple upgrades and they'll be pretty on level. You know, the, the Wizards is definitely fixing that issue. But, you know, people are trying to play on a certain uh, perceived power level. The perceived power level of PDH is have fun. Like, yeah. you, you know, a lot of people say that for EDH. You know, that's what they want to do is have fun. But a lot of people also get butt hurt when they lose. Which, <laughs> it's a game. It's a game. I'll give you that. But like PDH, I think everyone's just on this this idea that, yeah, the commons. Yeah, they're a little weaker than what we're normally playing with, but there is still some power there. But when we agree to just play with the commons, we're agreeing to just take a step back from the game and just enjoy each other's company. And I think that's where you get a lot of people with it, is really just pick your favorite set. What is going to have you interested in trying this one? Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Strixhaven, but today I realized that somehow in the whole existence of Strixhaven I I guess I've either forgotten or never knew that Killian existed and now that's all I want to do is build a Killian deck <laughs> Brad that hurts Strixhaven is like my favorite set in all this well to be games. fair when Strixhaven <laughs> released or you know right after it released I thought Strixhaven was two cards Teach by Example and Serpentine Curve I thought that was the whole yep. set <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Killian uh, that's like all I want to do I want to have another Orzhov deck that isn't very good but 
I'm just like obsessed with it. There's a, a non-trivial number of people firmly believe that Killian has competitive legs. I, I, I feel like that, that but, but I know that I'm such like a, a hopeful, you know, like every one yeah. of my decks is going to be good. Like I feel like I'm just putting that influence on Killian, but I, but I honestly do. I feel like there's potential there that he could be somewhere on a tier, tier three and a half or three or something. Uh, yeah, he, he does a, an interesting mix of like Voltron-ish things yeah. by by reducing the cost of like powerful auras you want to put on him mm-hmm. and also like control things removal spells yeah yeah of all yeah. Your removal yeah yeah i spent so some time today like... like looking on scryfall at all the white and or black targeting you know spells that target a creature that costs uh two mana and then all the ones that cost three mana that would actually be two mana you know like seeing yeah, how yeah. cheap i could get really good ones and there's some some crazy yeah. stuff out there mm-hmm. He reduces things by two, doesn't he? Uh huh. So yeah. Stuff stuff like rend flesh becomes just one mana, destroy a creature. So many An- removal spells become purge. one mana. It's crazy. So many removal spells yeah. just become really freaking good. Oblivion like, Ring is one mana. Oblivion and- Ring doesn't work because it as a spell it doesn't target. Oh, it does not target. Oh, because it enters yep. the battlefield and then you exile. Yep, you're yep. right. Yeah. Um, um, but you you get like even even bad cards like buy your silence and like yeah. secure the scene. <laughs> they become like okay-ish yeah i mean speaking of bad cards like when when you cast things for their alternate modes you know like mutate or bestow they now become a different type of spell that is now targeting yeah mutate targets bestow targets you know and there's things like howling fury from portal or something They cost two generic and a black, and any one creature, this is the text, any one creature gets plus four, plus O oh until the end of turn. So for a single black, you're basically quadrupling Killian's power, or, or tripling his power for the turn. I think my favorite thing uh, from a, from recent sets is like the randomness that is Rafine's Guidance. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. permanently one white mana. Like, yeah, that seems solid. Yeah. Yeah, Killian's got like... <laughs> Yeah, I Does think cool so things. too. I, I'd like to build it, and it's just, just really? have to. I'll just have to have another Orzov deck, I guess. Really, Brad? You want to build an Orzov deck? I, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's I like can't, I can't. I can't, I can't escape it. it. I even intentionally like thought about other colors today, like yeah, and I still ended up there. <laughs> I still ended up on Orzov. Yep, sure did. My Strixhaven decks is one of the really incredibly unique ones that I just could not reproduce with any other commander. It's a Lore Hold Apprentice. Ooh, the apprentice uh, cycle's cool. Yeah. This this one's red white. Every time you cast a spell, she gives all of your spirits the ability to tap to deal one damage. <laughs> now, there's no other card like this in the entire game. No, this <laughs> like, is it. Yeah. Nothing nothing could replace this commander. Mm-hmm. And it's not legendary. Look at that. It's completely unique in a game of fifty thousand you know, unique cards. Twenty thousand. It's not legendary. Twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, the lore hold cycle in general was was pretty powerful. There was a couple clunkers. I think the is it one was kind of a clunker. Unless I'm thinking of the no, the pledge mages. That's the one I'm thinking mm-hmm. of. But the apprentices yeah. are pretty good. Is it and the uh, silver Orzov. quill? Uh, yeah, yeah, silver quill. Those yeah. two as as apprentices were kind of just straight up awful. They but were. The other three are the other three are very interesting. Yeah, yeah. The Orzov one gave you magecraft. Like, yeah, okay. Well, they all have magecraft. Oh, is that the word for all of them? It just a, yeah. it's a different. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Magecraft it's, it's, buffs it, its power. It, yeah, I think Silver Quill Apprentice gives like plus O plus one or something like that. It might be the plus, one, plus one. Plus yeah, o. plus one plus O. Yeah, but like it's it's not even to the team. It's just a target. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. come on, come on, it's very very come on. <laughs> yeah, and the Prismari Apprentice. If your spell you cast has mana value five or greater, right? it gets plus one plus one counter. Oh, it gets yeah. counters. Okay. 
Yeah. I knew I, I knew it had the uh, unblockable clause. Yeah, if you but cast an instant or sorcery, it can't be blocked, and if that spell is five or greater, you get a counter. Okay. Whew. I think the thing that irritates me most about that is it only only itself is unblockable. What mm-hmm. target creature is unblockable? Come on. <laughs> Where the lorehold one affects the whole team. Yeah, the lorehold one affects the whole team. The witherbloom one is each opponent yeah, yeah. what is this nonsense like why why does pres- like this is even the issue i have with the legendary cycle of uncommons is like quintorius like is insane right like like he's not like a broken uh competitive commander but like he just has this uh, you know unique ability of of when things leave your graveyard make a token yeah okay you know killian has that interesting ability of, of two less to cast uh, Dina has uh, the first ability of whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one. I've never understood her sacrifice ability. I, you know, I'm 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 too dumb for sacrificing. <laughs> but like, and then there's you know there's Zimone, which is like budget Tatiova, right? You know, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just, fair just Tatiova. Like, exactly, she's still pretty good. Um, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But then you have Rutha, the prism who just gets like the the not doesn't even get the short end of the stick. She just gets no stick. Like <laughs> she doesn't even have a stick. Yeah, yeah she doesn't even have a stick because she. It's just it's like a one four where you pay you, you you already pay to get on the field, but then you pay more mana to put it in your hand to copy a spell. Yeah, a spe- it has to be a spell you control. You know, if I was copying like my opponent's cultivate, I'd be fine with this. It just but like kept after, getting it, worse every word you said like, about it. <laughs> like, I'm. This upsets me because like, is it in Prismaria my colors and the fact that they were like legitimately the worst of the guilds in that set just makes me so mad yeah so on on the one hand you have to be very careful disparaging rutha because i know the pals listen to this podcast and they're gonna come for you Uh oh um, he's you know been what, pissing them off you know left what, no. and right this week he came <laughs> yeah, after him on twitter like but you know what you know what pals pals i have a challenge if y'all are listening uh, if you have a solid rutha list please send it to me you have my twitter just sniff. send like Send it to me. Please. Sniff has three Ruthalists. Send them, them all. Send all of them. Because <laughs> yeah. I want to see a so, legitimately good like like I can see Rutha being good where like, you know, you get to copy removal spells like lightning bolt or copy bounce spells. But like no, no. you copy you copy flame or you, you copy the harvest <laughs> fire that targets your uh coal hauler swine. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. But like I just I I just can't see it. I need inspiration. Because I have the yeah. other four built. I need to build Rutha, but every time I look at Rutha, I just get sad. Just cry. Sniff will absolutely inspire you. All right, awesome. Um, on, on the other hand, so the, the, the pals coming after you is the one hand. On the other hand, when I was looking through my decks in preparation for this episode to figure out, like, which, which ones am I going to bring up as examples of decks that I couldn't just replace the commander? Like, mm-hmm. I was looking at League Guildmage and Is It Guildmage. I have a deck for each of those. And I was thinking, like, uh, I guess there's Rutha, but... I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Don't don't come after me, Sniff. I love you, but I like League Guild Mage more than I don't blame you. <laughs> That's understandable. Oh, that is that was good stuff. Good stuff. I know we got a little sidetracked, but it was excellent conversation. I don't mind yeah. that. Uh, did we have anything else you wanted to add to that? Any weird mechanics? Any new, you know, different creatures to talk about? Anything? Uh, we pretty much co- we actually covered a lot, like a, a lot of specific cards and detail yeah. and stuff. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's anything kind of specific left to add. I do want to say real quick, uh, talking earlier about the PDH home base website. Uh, you know, we're always going to uh, probably point people there if they have like rules questions or like really kind of like basic questions uh and they're not on twitter to, to bug us you know a lot of the mechanical examples we talked about are listed out 
in the PDH rules on their website. And they talk about them yeah. there in more detail, like how command attacks affects that stuff and all that. So like, if you do have questions, you can go to that website. And then if you still have questions, poke us. Yeah, get get in on the Discord or Twitter. I know the uh, the Discord can be a little overwhelming because it's busy all the time. Oh like, my goodness, I have that. Thing it, it's just busy all the time. I have all uh, of them, which needed. is which is awesome. <laughs> So it, it seems a little overwhelming, but I haven't run into any any issues with anybody there. Like everybody's willing to help you with your deck, or talk rules, or talk games, or get in a game with you, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Always a good time. We are pushing about an hour and forty minutes here. I do think that'll put a wrap on episode nine of the PDH Pod. I want to give a huge thanks to Brian and James from Casual Tryhards who showed up Saturday for some PDH games. It was a good time. Good time. Good time. Uh, listeners out there, if you want to find the uh, their podcast, you can find them at the Casual Tryhards. They are on YouTube, Casual Tryhard MTG, and on Twitter at Casual Tripod. T R Y P O D. Tell them we sent you. We do want to thank everyone that tuned in this week. But in the meantime, if you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions you want to send us about the format, you can email the show at the PDHpod at gmail or head on over, like we just said, to the PDH Homebase's website. That'll take you to their Discord. Uh, or you can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B. And as always, you can find Dave as the Alcadron just about anywhere else PDH is being talked about. I'll put all the links in the details below so you shouldn't have to do much hunting and pecking. This should be all right there for you. And if you listen to this on a platform that allows ratings and reviews and you actually like what we're doing, I think some people do, uh, be so kind as to leave us a review. That'd be great. It does help our visibility quite a bit. And then I guess this is the last call for anything we may have missed. Anything come up in the last 15 seconds or so? Got nothing. Got nothing. All right. Well, episode nine of the PDH pod comes to a close. Of As always, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play some games, and we'll talk to you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. I brought to 